بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على أشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين سيدنا ونبينا وشفيعنا ومولانا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين اللهم لك الحمد كله ولك الشكر كله اللهم صل وسلم على سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وعلى آله وصحبه وبارك وسلم Ameen bi rahmatika ya rahman rahmin Beloved elders, brothers, sisters in Islam All praise and thanks is due to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Choices, peace, blessings and salutations upon our master Nabi Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam We thank him, we praise him We ask of him to make this gathering of Jumu'ah a blessed one for each and every one of us That when we depart here from That we depart having been forgiven of all of our sins of the previous week May this day be blessed for us in more than just the sense that it is the Yawmul Jumu'ah but rather we find ourselves in the best of days. We find ourselves in the first 10 days of the month of Dhul Hijjah. It's a very, very significant time. And whilst my inclination is towards continuing with uh, the story of Yusuf, I have this feeling that today we won't be able to get around to that since there's a few things that I'm sort of obliged to speak about because of the time that we are in and the events that are about to transpire. And uh, there are very, very pertinent messages that I feel should be addressed today and uh, that we probably won't be able to get around to the story again now for today and we'll have to continue that at a later stage. Nonetheless, the story is what I have in front of me. We'll see uh, how far the message goes inshallah ta'ala. First and foremost, like I said, we are in a very, very important time. In the Quran is a surah in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala takes a number of aqsam, qasams or oaths, like we would say, wallahi, wallahi. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala himself also takes oaths. This is found primarily in the surah Makkiyah. You'll only find this in the surah that were revealed before the hijrah. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will take oaths by various things. Now for us, we can only take an oath by Allah. He's the creator of everything. But Allah himself, he takes an oath by his creation. By various things in his creation. We would have heard it various times. Wadduha, wallayl, washams. Right, we would have heard all these various oaths. This wow is not like a normal wow that means and. It means I take an oath by. So for example, wadduha, wallayl, idha saja. We will have... وَالشَّمْسِ وَضُحَاهَا وَالْقَمَرِ إِذَا تَلَاهَا وَالنَّهَارِ إِذَا جَلَّاهَا وَالْلَيْلِ إِذَا يَغْشَاهَا And all of these oaths are usually a prelude. Allah Ta'ala takes an oath by various things. And then right at the end, He gives what we call the جَوَابُ الْقَسَمِ Where He tells you about the thing that He's taking an oath for. Like for example, if we take an oath and we say, Wallahi, that's the oath. Then we give the جَوَابُ الْقَسَمِ I am coming today. That's the جَوَابُ الْقَسَمِ The thing for which we are taking the oath. Now in the Qur'an we have the same phenomenon. So you have these three parts, Allah Ta'ala taking the oath, the thing that He takes the oath by, right? And then you have the response to the oath. Specifically I want to draw our attention to Surah Al-Fajr, where Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala says, وَالْفَجْرِ وَلَيَالِنَ عَشْرِ وَالشَّفْعِ وَالْوَتْرِ وَالْلَيْلِ إِذَا يَسْرِ Wal-Fajr by the dawn. The Fajr time is a very very significant time. It is a time in which uh, the Malaika witness our Salah, they witness the recitation of the Qur'an. It's a time that Dhikrullah is a very, very powerful thing to do in. And then Allah says, وَلَيَالِنَ عَشِرْ By the ten nights. By the ten nights. Now, whilst you will find slight differences within the opinions of the Mufassirun regarding what ten nights this is referring to, the primary opinion 
is that it is referring to these very ten nights that we find ourselves in. The first ten nights of the month of Dhul Hijjah. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa ala alihi wa sallam has indicated to us in authentic ahadith, مَا مِنْ أَيَّامٍ أَحَبُّ إِلَى اللَّهِ يَلْعَمُنُ صَالِحِ فِيهِنَّ مِنْ هَذِهِ الْأَيَّامِ There are no days within the entire year where good deeds are more beloved to Allah ta'ala than these ten days. The Sahaba radiallahu anhum, they wanted to know, Ya Rasulullah, وَلَا الْجِهَادْ فِي سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ Okay, we understand the ten days are great, right? First of Dhul-Hijjah to the 10th of Dhul-Hijjah, mashallah, excellent days. But how about if some other time of the year I go out and I perform jihad in, in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I fight for the deen of Allah. I defend the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with my life. That is surely better than a good deed done in these 10 days. Then somebody saying subhanallah in these 10 days. Then somebody fasting in these 10 days. Or giving a one rand in, in charity in these 10 days. Surely jihad must overpower those deeds. So the Prophet ﷺ responded to them and said, La walal jihad fi sabilillah. Not even jihad in Allah's path is better than a good deed done during the days that we find ourselves in now. Sitting here in Jumu'ah is better than jihad in any other time of the year. Having taken your sunnah ghusl for Jumu'ah is better than jihad any other time of the year. Saying Subhanallah, Alhamdulillah, La ilaha illallah, Allahu Akbar, now is better than jihad any other time of the year. Saying Salawat on Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in these ten days is better than even jihad any other time of the year. Subhanallah. Why so? Because these ten days are the best ten days of the year. The hadith goes on, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, the only thing, the only thing that can possibly be better then doing good deeds in these 10 days is if a man goes out for jihad and he sacrifices everything, his wealth, his family, and he loses his life in Allah's path. Only that can be better than a good deed done in these 10 days. Allahu Akbar. That's like really significant. And this is all from authentic hadith. So these 10 days are regarded as the best 10 days of the year. Like I said, Allah in the Quran refers to them by walayalin ashr, by the 10 nights. So if it's the best 10 days of the year, then where does that leave the last 10 nights of the month of Ramadan? That's exactly the difference. The last 10 nights of the month of Ramadan are the best nights of the year. Whilst these 10 days are the best days of the year. Even though Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala refers to these 10 days in the Quran by saying, Walayali na'ashir. Layali, plural of the word layl. So he refers to the days by the nights because even though the days are the best, doing good deeds at night is also significant. Subhanallah. Tahajjud in these 10 days. The recital of the Quran during these 10 days. Subhanallah, these, we should all capitalize and do as much good as we possibly can during these 10 days. And for the very least, for the very least, and I speak to myself always, I speak to myself first, for the very least we must all strive, we must all strive to at least, at least stay away from that which is bad. If we can't do, if we can't do extra to do that which is good, then shouldn't we at least stay away from that which is evil? Allahu Akbar. So we can't come on the day of Qiyamah and say, Ya Allah, you know, I was weak. I couldn't do any extra good deeds for your sake because I'm weak. You know, I'm weak. You created me weak. We can, subhanAllah, we, we might be able to say we couldn't do any extra. But for the very least, none of us has an excuse to say, well, I was too weak to even stay away from the major big sins. 
For the very least, during these holy times, during these sacred times, let us do our utmost. May Allah grant us the strength to do that, to at least stay away from that which is evil. Allah grant us the strength. Amen. Then we look at the significance of these ten days. And the first thing that comes to mind, of course, is that the days of Dhul Hijjah, the days of Dhul Hijjah, says it all, right? Dhul Hijjah. Dhu means possessor of. Hijjah is referring to the Hajj. So these days contains the, the Hajj, the sacred journey of the Hajj. So immediately we call to mind the thousands upon thousands, perhaps even millions of Hujaj who will be making their way to the plains of Arafat, unanimously shouting, unanimously saying, all in the same clothing, king and pauper alike, لبيك اللهم لبيك لبيك لا شريك لك لبيك إن الحمد والنعمة لك والملك لا شريك لك Yeah, I am, oh Allah. Yeah, I am. I left my degrees behind. I left my money behind. I left my family behind. I left my cars behind. I left my home behind. I left my wealth behind. I left my position at my job behind. I left my titles behind. Here I am, nothing but a slave in your court. Here I am, O oh Allah. La bayka, I am here. La sharika lak. And I bear witness that there is no partner for you, O oh Allah. And I admit that verily the hamd, the praise, one ni'mah, and all the favors that I have and everybody here has, laka is for you, walaka al-mulk, and for you is the kingdom as well. La sharika lak. There's no partners for you, Allah. Can you imagine the emotion? Can you imagine the spiritual high being one of those million hujaj? Can you imagine how it must feel to be standing in two stickies lappi? Two pieces of lappy, nothing else. Not even allowed to put a little bit of atar on to make you smell nice. The heat of the sun baking you. Standing outside like a slave to Allah. Really, truly fulfilling your purpose as a human being. مَا خَلَقَتُ الْجِنَّ وَالْإِنسَ إِلَّا لِيَعْبُدُونَ Where you realize that I have really been created to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And you feel what it really feels like to find your purpose in life, your true purpose. And they are moved to tears. And for this entire day, for this entire day, the 9th of Dhul Hijjah, for this entire day, it is, subhanallah, it is a time of rebirth for every single Muslim. For every single Muslim. The 9th of Dhul Hijjah, is a time of rebirth for every single Muslim. Notice I'm saying the 9th of Dhul Hijjah. My emphasis is on the 9th of Dhul Hijjah. It is a time of rebirth for every single Muslim. Why? Because for those standing on the plains of Arafat, they will... We all know. We all know. We've heard this many a times before. Al-Hajjul Mabrur laysa lahu jazaun illa al-Jannah. A righteous hajj, there has, it has no reward except for Jannah. We know Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa said, and we've heard this before, مَنْ حَجَّ لِلَّهِ فَلَمْ يَرْفُثْ وَلَمْ يَسْخَبْ رَجَعَكَ يَوْمٍ وَلَدَتْهُ أُمْ 
The person who performs Hajj for Allah and stays away from arguments, this is a special mentioning in this hadith. They stay away from arguments. They stay away from arguments. They stay away from arguments. And as, as much as it applies to the Hujaj, it applies to us here at home as well. Because we know Tuila Barings most. Everybody wants to have an argument now. They stay away from arguments. They stay away from vulgar speech. If they do that for Allah's sake, they return home like the day their mothers gave birth to them. Allahu Akbar. Clean, 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 clean. Every single sin. They're very fortunate, aren't they? But yet I said every single Muslim, hopefully myself and yourselves included, Amin. Every single Muslim will have the chance for rebirth. How so? Because these 10 days of Dhul-Hijjah have been given to us by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as a gift for us to earn the exact rewards of the Hujaj. May Allah grant it to us. For those who fast during any of these 10 days of Dhul-Hijjah, it is as though they are fasting for an entire year. For those who fast during any of these days of Dhul-Hijjah, not only the 9th of Dhul-Hijjah, not only the day before Eid, but those who fast any of these days of Dhul-Hijjah, it is as though they are fasting for the entire year. So we can fast every day, we could be fasting today even. So whatever good deeds we do, it's multiplied and multiplied and multiplied. Let me give you advice. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tests us in amazing ways. And sometimes He tests us where we least expect it. You see, differences, differences of opinion in terms of our fiqh matters has always been part of this ummah. Always, always, always. Since the time of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam himself. Because when you're dealing with texts, naturally the interpretation of text is going to lead to differences of opinion. And this has always been a part of our sharia. This is why we have differences of opinion in fiqh throughout. This is why we have various schools of thought. Let me give you an example. In the time of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, just after the battle of Khaybar, just after the battle of Khaybar, also known as Khandaq, where the confederates came to attack Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and the Sahaba in Medina. They came to attack them in Medina. And then Salman al-Farisi radiallahu ta'ala and came up with a brilliant plan of digging the Khandaq between the two rocky uh, tractways in Medina. Digging this huge trench right through, right through this portion that the enemies would have entered. And then they had the Banu Nadir on the one side, this Jewish tribe on the one side, that time the Jews were still in Medina, and they had uh, Banu Quraidha on the other side, in the south. So Banu Quraidha would have protected them from the south, Banu Nadir from the other side, so the enemies couldn't enter. However, however, as Allah's decree had it, the Banu Quraidha, this Jewish tribe, the Banu Quraidha, they committed treason. They committed treason. They betrayed Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So they made deals with the confederates to allow them to come in from that side. But Allah's plan was such that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and the Sahaba, they defeated the confederates because of the khandaq and because of Allah's assistance. He sent some winds and he sent some storms and they were so confused and they were so terrified that they left Medina al-Munawwara. But before the Prophet wasalam, was going to put down his armor, Jibreel came to him and said, you putting down your armor? I have not put down my armor yet. 
I'm commanding you to go down to Banu Quraydah and take them into justice because they have acted with treason. So the Prophet ﷺ came out to the Sahaba and he said to them, لا يصلينا أحدكم العصر إلا في بني قريضة. It was let's say it was Dhuhr time or just after Dhuhr. He said, you go, you march out to Banu Qurayza, and none of you must perform Asr unless you get to Banu Qurayza. You must only perform Asr Salah in Bani Qurayza's uh, area. This is the, listen, everybody here has a brain. Everybody here has intelligence. Everybody here can understand my words. Do not perform Asr Salah except at Bani Qurayza. Clear message, isn't it? You won't expect now the Sahaba is going to go have ikhtilaf there. What did he really mean? What did he really say? Subhanallah. Lo and behold, they're on their way. Asr Salah comes. And Asr Salah is now not going to stay there for long. But they didn't reach Banu Qurayza yet. Then now some Sahaba says to the other Sahaba, hold it. What the Prophet meant was that we must go so fast and we must rush that by the time Asr comes in, we will be in Bani Qurayza and then we must perform Asr Salati. That's what he meant. The other Sahaba said, no. He said we mustn't perform Asr Salah except when we get to Bani Qurayza. So even though it's Asr Salah now, even though Asr Salah might leave, we can't perform Asr Salah because we must perform it there. And the other Sahaba says, no, no, you don't. He didn't mean it literally. He meant it figuratively. We must march very fast so that when Asr comes, we will make it for Bani Qurayza. And lo and behold, we have ikhtilaf. And when? In the life of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Among who? Among the Sahaba radiallahu ta'ala anhum. Allahu Akbar. Such a bad thing? No. So what did they do? Did they make each other kafir? No. What did they do? Did they kill each other with their swords? No. What did they do? Did they break up family ties? No. What did they do? Did they say, well, you must go to that mosque now and I must go to this mosque now because we're different now from each other? No. What did they do? Did they say, well, now we're going to not speak to you for 10 years and you're going to not speak to us for 10 years? No. They, some of them performed Asr Salah there and then and the others performed Asr Salah in Bani Qurayza because that is how they understood what the Prophet said. Can the one group point at the other group and say, well, why aren't you practicing on the Sunnah? And the other group point to the other group and say, why aren't you practicing on the Sunnah? And the other group point to the other group and says, you kafir and you... No, subhanallah. That's not how it was done. So they went on and they carried on. Later on, of course, when they met up with Rasulullah and they now presented their matter to him, and they said, well, we did this and we did that because we understood this and we understood that. What did Rasulullah say? Did he say, well, well, how could you do that? How could you? Inna lillahi. No. Rasulullah didn't reproach either of the groups. Because both of them, he didn't so much as even raise his voice or scold either of the groups. Because both of them were acting on his command or what they believed his command was. And for as long as this ummah is practicing upon what they believe the Qur'an to be saying and what they believe the sunnah of Rasulullah to be saying from valid scholarship unless they of course are scholars themselves. As long as we are practicing what we believe to be the truth from the Qur'an and sunnah then all of us, alhamdulillah, are following the Qur'an and sunnah and we have no reason to point fingers to one another and say well then I'm not going to be family with you anymore. Subhanallah. Because whilst these differences are but differences among the Sunnah, 
family ties and keeping ourselves together. This is fard'ain for each and every Muslim. The one who breaks family ties, Allah Ta'ala will break ties with that person. Let me say something completely different from this and see where it's related. Whether you want to now make La Barang Salah on Tuesday, or whether you want to make it on Wednesday, either way, it still remains a Sunnah Salah. It still remains a Sunnah Salah. Okay, let me give it a bit more emphasis. In the Shafi Madhab, Sunnah Mu'akkada, so emphasize, emphasis. No matter what happens, if you don't perform that Salah, you're not a sinner. No matter what happens, if you don't perform that Salah, you're not committing a sin. Now, does it make sense to break up family ties, Jama'atul Muslimin, because of something that is a Sunnah? Don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying it's not important. It's important. It is one of the Sha'air of Allah, one of the symbols of Islam. It's a very important day for all of us. But it's not more important than our family ties. And if we happen to come from a family in which some are doing the one day and some are doing the other day, then we have to put our difference aside and say Salamat on whichever day the person is having the Eid. Because they are following a valid opinion from valid scholarship that follows the Quran and the Sunnah. And there we can all be Muslims around one table, one Ummah of Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And we stay away just think about this for a second. If ulama, scholars who've learned for their entire lives, if ulama have, have been telling us that this is differences that comes from hadith, this is differences that comes from fiqh, like the same story of Banu Qurayla that I just exposed to you right now, and they couldn't solve this and come out with one logical conclusion for all these years, do we possibly think that for us to have a Sunday afternoon lunch discussion is going to solve that? Wallahi, no, it's not going to solve that. For us to go and discuss it amongst our colleagues and amongst our family and amongst our friends, to try to, th if we think by that discussion we're going to come out with some uh, solution to the problem, then we are deceiving ourselves. By holding these discussions, we are indulging in things with which we have no knowledge. We are going to speak from our own imagination and from our own whims and our own fancies. If, like I said, valid scholarship for years can't solve this issue and come to one logical basis, then we, in our uh, unlearned capacity in this particular regard because we don't have knowledge about everything we might have knowledge about one thing but not about this then we're not going to come out with a logical conclusion as well so the moral of the story is this don't break up what is wajib for that which is sunnah family ties is compulsory living together as a muslim ummah in unity is compulsory Eid salah is a sunnah and therefore we can't let the one thing stand in the way of the other thing. This is supposed to be a time for us to commemorate our sacrifices. Like Nabi Ibrahim wasalam, was going to sacrifice his son, Nabi Ismail wasalam, for the sake of Allah, Rabbul Izzati wal Jalal. Let us learn to sacrifice our whims and our fancies and our egos and our prides and our arrogance for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Like they were willing to sacrifice their lives for Allah, let us be willing to sacrifice our lives for Allah. And like Allah says in the Quran, the sheep and the goats and the cows and the camels that we will be sacrificing, don't think that the meat 
or the blood will reach Allah because it won't. It is your taqwa, it is my taqwa, it is our taqwa that will reach Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So how can we let disputes and argumentation ruin our taqwa so that by the time it reaches Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, there is nothing left. I urge myself and each and every one of us to allow these days to remain the greatest days of the year. To allow these days to be a means for us to, get, to capitalize on good deeds and make our scales heavy on the day of Qiyamah to allow these days to be a means for our families to grow closer together and to avoid each and every one of us and our families from falling into dispute and argumentation unnecessarily over these petty issues may we be from among those who are mature enough to be different and still be united because unity doesn't mean we all say the same thing no unity means we can say different things but still respect each other within those differences that we have this deen of islam has allowed for differences since the time of rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam so we shouldn't be from among those who think that in our attempt to eliminate these differences we're going to solve the ummah's problems no what this ummah needs from us today my beloved elders and brothers and sisters in islam is for us to learn to stand together as one nation to stand together hold on to the Quran hold on to the Sunnah without dear lives because the enemies of Islam they want to rip the Quran and the Sunnah away from us from the very teeth that we are holding on to it by because they want to destroy us as a nation they want to rip us apart they want to make us argue over petty things so that we can have no strength as a unified Ummah of Islam Remember, we are the only nation in the world that can claim one Quran, one Allah, one Nabi, one Deen, and we all follow the same Sirat al-Mustaqim. So let them not take that away from us because of petty things. I urge each and every one of us, let this be enough for us to say, we will fast as much as we can. We will celebrate Eid whenever we feel that we want to follow that scholarship in terms of following that day of Eid. And may we respect one another and may we move forward from this and all the other petty differences that we may have in our lives and in our families and in our year and move towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's piety. Wa sallallahu ala Sayyidina Muhammad. Subhanallah wa bihamdi. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdik. Nashadu wa la ilaha illa anta. Nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk.